0: Faith here with your podcast, Welcome Toast. As Irma Bombeck said, seize the moment. Remember all those women on the Titanic who waved off the dessert cart. Thanks for joining us. You can consume this podcast in one bite, two bites, or oops, I ate the whole thing. The following encore presentation of the Faith Middleton Food Schmooze is a favorite from our archives. Hope you enjoy this second helping. I got that sunshine in my pocket Got that good
1: soul in my feet I feel that hot blood in my body When it drops
0: it's great to have you joining the party on the faith middleton food schmooze the place to have a good time how about this for an exciting lineup we have for you the recipe we're ready with this pbs star lydia Bastianich. we have her beef and barolo wine this is her italian specialty it is unbelievable (laughs) we have this idea of using the leftover brisket to make awesome sandwiches And we have a red wine discovery from the Rhone region of France and a value wine, $20 a bottle. We can't wait to tell you about all that. My treasured food buddies are here, senior contributors Chris Prosperi and Alex Provence. So let's start with the Lydia Bastianich recipe, which is... Her Italian beef and Barolo wine. This is so amazing. We've talked about this before. Lydia was on our launch of the new food schmooze. And we said to you, we're going to hold the recipe because we want you to use it for Christmas and Hanukkah. You perhaps could make it on New Year's Eve. So if you go to the website, you will find it. Before we get to that recipe, we are so excited because we are on iTunes. We are on Android. So all you have to do is go to our homepage and sign up for it. And then the podcast will come to you every single week with all of our tips and recipes. Restaurants and wines and a good time. Go to foodschmooze.org. Schmooze is spelled like school, S C H dot foodschmooze.org, and just click on subscribe, and you are on your way. All right, let's get into the beef with Bro. Oh, oh.
2: We just ate the dish, and it is so, is it the wine? So soft is it and the, falling apart yeah.
0: succulent. The wine, in the heat, it becomes like a red velvet sauce. It yeah. is Unbelievable. This is one of the most seductive things, and I think possibly the best thing we've ever eaten in our food kitchen. 250 right?
2: degree oven, or even she said you could do it in the slow cooker of the crock pot. On a Sunday. If all you go day.
0: to foodschmooze.org, you will see that this is posted with this picture that will make you go wild. Also, on Facebook, Faith Middleton Food Schmooze, we have got a link to the recipe, and so we're all covered on that. Okay, yeah,
2: Chris, the, will you walk us through it? So a, a chunk of beef, and she gives some suggestions like flat iron or chuck. I'd go with you, and I think brisket would be, right, for the holidays would be an amazing piece of beef to do with
0: Sure, this. any one of those. Yeah.
2: And then basically season it. You get some onions, some carrots, some celery, garlic, rosemary, sage, a little bit of nutmeg, some black pepper, and then this is the that little flavor thing is the porcini mushrooms, Mm. the dried porcini mushrooms. It has not a lot, just enough to give that sauce that flavor. So
0: the fresh porcini mushrooms would cost you a fortune. Oh my gosh. (laughs) The dried porcini mushrooms, all of us can afford, so that's a great thing. And you can
2: get them in Stop and Shop. You can get porcini powder too, which is a great thing, and even less expensive than the actual mushrooms, but either or. And then it has two bottles of Barolo wine, and Alex had a great tip for this one, because Barolo's can be a little pricey, and that's to get a Barolo that's not really a Barolo, but kind of a Barolo, and that's what's the name of the wine? Nebbiolo.
3: They're way less money than a Barolo.
0: So you go into your wine store and you say a Nebbiolo because that is at the root of the Barolo wine, and there you go. Alex, what would you spend for a bottle of wine cooking like that? 10,
2: 15 bucks. Yeah, so it's a lot less, and then some beef broth, and when I made it, I used my favorite brand's Kitchen Basics, but there's so many good ones in the supermarket now, right, in the Permalot boxes. Just a good beef broth.
0: Let's talk about the browning of the meat.
2: You start with some olive oil, you season the meat. She does it in a big Dutch oven but you brown it on all sides on the stovetop. It takes about eight to ten minutes to get it and you want to do a nice medium-high heat so it gets nice and crispy on all the sides. Floured or not floured? No she doesn't use any flour and I agree with her that's not necessary. I
0: agree with her too and mm-hmm. here's the thing whether mm-hmm. you are a cook or not if you're browning something for the first time you can leave it there a little too long. That's the mistake I made when I was starting out cooking. Chris, can you give us a tip on that?
2: Yeah, and it's either that too long or people try to do it too high. And that could be dangerous too. So you don't wanna go like, Ultra high. You don't want it to have it cranked all the way up. Somewhere between medium and medium high is where you want it. Keep an eye on it. You know, I always say cook with your ears too. You'll hear it. So the pan is nice and hot. It's sizzling, right? The oil is sizzling when you put it in there. It makes that crackling noise. Is it smoking? It, it barely. See, that's the other thing too. When you put the meat in there, you don't want big clouds of smoke coming out of. Just you want to see a couple wisps of smoke coming off the pan. And then you put the meat in, and then you hear that crackling. And you want to hear that at a steady pace. If it gets too loud and too fast, you know to turn it down, right? So just use your ears as one of the senses, as well as your eyes.
0: And after it's browned, here comes the assembly of things
2: into that pot. Take the meat out, put it on a little plate, let it rest for a couple of minutes while you throw into the pan the onions, the carrots, the celery, the garlic. You cook that for a few minutes, then you add the rosemary, sage, nutmeg, peppercorn, and porcinis. A little bit of salt goes in, you mix that all together. You cook it for a couple of minutes, and then you start putting in your Wine, you glow, glug, all, glug, two glug. bottles of wine. You put your uh, oh, beef broth part. in it, then you put <laughs> Minus your glass yeah, and then you yeah, or two if you're using that good wine, and then you put your big chunk of beef seared off already in there. Done, and two Is this things, lid on. Yeah, lid on. One of two things. One, you can now take this oven-proof pan and put it in the oven, or if you want, at the point of those vegetables being cooked, put your wine in, yep. and then take your beef, put it in a slow cooker, and then take all that stuff and pour it right on top. Put the lid on it, snap it on low. Six to eight hours later, you're done. Mm -hmm. Chris
0: and I agree about this. Chris has ten slow cookers, fourteen, and that's why I'm investing (laughs) in slow cooker stock. No kidding. Chris has and uses them constantly. One size will do. You just always want to make sure that any liquid you're at least at the halfway point in the Mm -hmm. size of your slow cooker. But in any case. You can do this in the slow cooker. I agree with Chris, I would do it this way. And when Lydia Bastianich was on our launch show for the New Food Schmooze, she agreed with us and she said, absolutely, you can do it in the slow cooker. With the wine poured in, just like we're talking about. Chris, if the liquid does not come up to the halfway point, would you add additional water?
2: In the slow cooker? Yes. No, I wouldn't because what I would do instead is I would take a piece of parchment paper and just sort of lightly press uh. it on top covering it and then put the lid on it and that sort of traps those liquids and it steams in there yep. and that's just as You good.
0: mean directly on the meat? Push press it all it, Yeah, push
2: it all the way down to the top of the meat. The liquid's not quite coming up halfway but you can still put that piece of parchment on top and then it sort of traps the steam in there, and it steams, and then you don't have to worry about the top part drying out. Can I
0: tell you, we've talked about the cooking by the senses, the nose, the Mm. aromas coming off of this. Alex, we are joined in this. For some reason, this is so unctuous, so Uh. umami-laden. It's like a Chinese food where I say, I would like five servings of this, please, (laughs) for the holidays, to appreciate the spirit of life and Mm -hmm. giving and each other and whatever you want. Uh. This is the beauty. It is on our website and on Facebook. So go to foodschmooze, S-C-H, foodschmooze.org, and you will find it there under recipes also, let's get to this wine. If you could just get that into the glass. Alex, this is a wonderful discovery. Alex is a wine broker. Oh, thank you.
3: My uh, favorite sound.
0: Me too. This is, well, maybe the cork on a champagne bottle. This is my let's second one. Let's do that
3: favorite. too. Okay, so
0: <laughs> this is La Fonte de Notre Dame. And it's called a Rasteau. This is all on the website. Uh, 2012. This feels so real so and you're rich.
3: The, you're in the south of France, so it's hot there. It's sort of Spain-like, and, and grow this juicy Grenache. Very, very soft tannins. Soft tannins, which means it's gentle on the mouth. It doesn't have that dry at your teeth, which means you drink it and it's soft and juicy and flavorful. And you can tell it was grown someplace hot because it has that ripeness, like a ripe tomato in the summertime in August.
0: We love to experience food sensually on this show. But the other reason is to say all these qualities that Alex is describing yes. mean that this
3: wine is beautiful with food. Like an English cheddar cheeses, turkey, and... Chicken uh, and duck. Oh, roast chicken, sure. I think of cassoulet and stews, and my mom makes this beautiful like braised beef, or like the beef we're having now, a slow cooker food, autumn food, you know, stuff that you're cooking for hours and hours.
0: This is a wine that if you had something sturdy for lunch, of course you could serve Mm. it, or for brunch, you know, with bacon and all that. But for dinner time, when the chill comes at night, this is a cuddle-up wine just sit there and have a glass of this uh, with a friend (laughs) Yeah, if if it's cold enough to have a bar. And if it's not, just sitting with a friend or your partner, wonderful to just sit and
3: talk with this wine. This is a beauty. It's like macaroni and cheese wine. You know, stuff that you put in
2: the oven. Anything in the oven. I was thinking good, heavy. Yeah, I was thinking fatty stuff because it does have that cleansing property, right, where Mm. you take a sip and it opens up your palate again to take another spoonful of whatever you're eating. So
0: what I hear in what you're saying, Chris, is the balance Mm -hmm of this wine, the cleanness of it Mm. against fat. And so that kind of melding of those two opposing forces is what makes it a beautiful, beautiful food experience for a wine.
3: And I love the bottle. In the south of France, I always, like, emboss the bottles, and it's so heavy, it weighs a couple of pounds. It has <laughs> that cool sort of, they always, in the glass, they put the embossed sort of, you know, symbols, and, and it's just like a heavy winter bottle.
0: Meaning that at $20 a bottle, this drinks like $30 a bottle. And the other thing about this is, because of that embossing, that stamp on the glass itself, if you bring this as a host gift when you come to somebody's house, it has that wonderful look. look. Please go to the website or to Facebook and we will tell you exactly what to say and we try and make this as easy for you as possible we have a photo of the wine label which you can then use to read if you're going to call ahead to your wine store we tell you what to say if you want to just show up at the store take out your smartphone and show them the label (laughs) and say do Do you have this I (laughs) i like to call ahead so that i'm not making a wasted trip and the distributor should have it within 24 to 48 hours for you i have heard what i can consider this urban legend for years of these towns mm. in France and Italy where there is in the central square a fountain and wine pours who out.
3: Proposed health it, it, benefits. Right?
0: Alex you've been to Spain many times. Mm. Are these things real? Chris your family's yeah. from France. Is this real that there are fountains in Italy, France, Spain and who knows where else has anyone oh, wow. actually seen this? No,
2: I haven't. Have you? I mean, I would not only go, I would be there with, like, bottles to fill them up for the night. So I've heard
3: <laughs> stories of Spain with wine flowing out, like in Pamplona or San Sebastián. Yeah. Can
0: I do an assignment here? This is right straight on the show, happening in the real time of this show. Would you look that up, Chris? Wine fountain. You know what makes us want to get up in the morning on the show? The idea that we find talented people doing amazing things and we curate for you and we say to you look at this experience this this is wonderful this is why we do what we do it makes us thrilled when you tell us when you talk with us on Facebook and tell us that you have experienced something or you join our conversations about these questions and debates and I'm on there as much as possible to talk with you, and it is an absolute delight for me. So when you're there, if you feel inclined, please like us, it makes a difference, and we know you're there when you do that, and it's so great, and if you do like us, you're at the head of the line for our hot tip feed. Here we go, are there fountains anywhere in Europe or anywhere in the world where wine is pouring out of a fountain, and you can
2: go with a jug? It is true, not all the time, but this is is one from Italy, and the headline on it is, Italians turn water into wine,
0: Mm.
1: and
2: it's basically Marano, which is a town south of Rome, and they have every year a grape festival. How do you spell it? M-A-R-I-N-O Marino. Marino, sorry. We must go there. And every year they have a a grape festival, and during this grape festival the main fountain in the town square, they change from water to sparkling white wine.
1: Mm.
0: Sparkling white wine. My favorite. Right? Are we going? (laughs) You know how you bring your olive oil bottle now Mm. to to Uh, different markets? Think about the possibilities. You would just bring you jug
2: just like do you're doing in yeah. the. T- i love it <laughs> <laughs> why not i still or you think just you're supposed have, to put your face underneath it yeah, you just it. go have lunch there right and sit nearby and it's like oh look oh, i'm wonderful. almost out
0: of my glass i'll I, just walk over to the fountain i bet people do picnic <laughs> yeah
2: Is it continuous?
3: Is it continually pouring out? Because if it is, I'd feel wasteful, like I'd have to keep drinking it. Maybe that's what you
2: have to do then.
0: Thank you, Alex Province, who's a wine broker, for this discovery of this wine. I want to play a game with you. Are are you up for this? Uh Uh-oh. This is our free association food word game called Whisper That in My Ear. Toasted
3: Nuts. Fireplace. Cassoulet.
0: Double chocolate cake.
3: German chocolate cake. Duck confit.
0: Brownie a la mode. (laughs)
1: Okay. It's
2: your game. <laughs> <laughs> ice cream, oysters mignonette,
0: ice cold beer,
2: ah, uh, chopping wood, michelata,
0: bing cherries,
2: springtime heirloom tomato,
0: crispy fat,
2: ah, uh, France, ooh, Spain, hot donuts, coffee, apple cider,
0: crispy bacon, <laughs> everyday. I'm going to tell you about a place that makes the most amazing brisket sandwiches Mm -hmm. at lunchtime. You can get them anytime, but if you can't go there, he's giving us his recipe in a way. He does it out of his head. We're going to do the best we can because I interviewed him over the counter. More mouthwatering conversation and fun ahead on the Faith Middleton Food Schmooze. I hope you will make a charitable contribution to Feed the Hungry. We're online now at foodschmooze.org and get our new iTunes Android podcast on the homepage. Subscribe. We'll be right Back. I've
1: got to keep you pleasing everywhere.
0: We have a free podcast for you, meaning you'll never miss a drop of pleasure. Just sign up for it once at our site, and we will automatically send you our show every week so you can listen on your schedule and hear about all the things we have. Discover the delicious food, wine, events, and cocktails that we feature. Just go to our homepage, foodschmooze.org, and you'll see subscribe. I'm with with my treasured food buddies, Chris Brosberry, chef and co-owner of Metro Beast Restaurant in Simsbury, Connecticut, wine broker Alex Province, and here we go, we've got that party punch that I was talking about. Anthony DiSario is our chief cocktail contributor. We said, Anthony, with the party season just about to be in full swing, mm. can you give us a punch?
3: I'm envisioning a big glass bowl. (laughs) Yeah, as you
2: walk in. The ladle, nice glass cups. And people still do that. I've been to parties where I've seen bowls of punch. This This is is
0: really the way to go, I think. I mean, who can stand there a giant crowd making one cocktail at a time that's kind of tough plus the festive feeling that you get from some of these punches and this is one of them so this is a joyful New England punch it does about 30 people we have the recipe at foodschmooze.org here is what is in this white sugar and brown sugar and water lemon juice cranberry juice Dark rum, and we tell you what kinds that Anthony likes, and a quart of cognac, and then uh, four ounces of brandy. He is loving peach brandy at the moment, and there you go. He gives a brand that he likes, but you certainly can use whatever brand you have around Anthony takes a mixing bowl the night before and he fills it with water and then puts it into the freezer. Ah, So so that then, yes, individual cubes melt fast. They're going to add a lot of water to your cocktail. That's why you see restaurants investing in large cube machines so that there's not so much water going into your drink. I um, bet you
3: could use a bunt pan.
0: That's a wonderful idea.
3: I've even seen the one that looked like a cathedral. Sure, <laughs> from yeah, like the, the fancy stores. Yeah, I agree. With like the a spires, kind of a yeah. castle. Yeah, yeah you feeling got it. Floating it. castle.
0: So he uses this bowl, whatever you want to use, and then pops it out about an hour before your party is to begin into the punch bowl so that it starts to chill and it will be a slow melt. Essentially, you just dissolve the sugar in some water into this big bowl and then add the rest, the lemon, cranberry, the rum and the brandies and some more water. He adds that big block of ice then you're set to ladle this. And I'm not going to kid you, this packs a wallop. And so I say this is something best served for the neighborhood when people can walk over and especially walk
2: home. I always shop in those secondhand stores, Mm -hmm. and I always see the punch bowls. And I found one, I don't know, about a year or so ago, and I bought it. And what I noticed is the cups, which is why it drew me to this. The little handles. Yeah, and they're not. and, And then I was like, of course they are, because if you're drinking this punch, you're not gonna want like our modern day glasses are. I don't even know a pint, right? The big glasses. I mean, the old school punch bowl came with its own glasses, and those glasses were like these little. I don't even know two ounce, three things. ounce little cups. And reminds yeah. me of the Griswold family Christmas when he's dumping yeah. his like, <laughs> yeah. thing in the punch bowl <laughs> yeah. with eggnog, yeah, right? But that's those are the cool things about those kind of going retro and those things yeah. and going to find those. Like how much cool did you punch pay for bowls. it? Oh, it was not. That's why I love shopping in these stores. I don't know. The whole set was like twenty five dollars. Wow.
0: In a pinch, I have a set of those giant stainless steel bowls that come down in size, so there are four that nestle into each other. When I'm stuck... If I don't have that nice little glass punch bowl, I will use one of my big giant stainless Mm -hmm. steel bowls because nobody cares. And this is the kind of thing on the table where people can serve themselves and you're gonna hope that everybody's in league with drinking responsibly Mm -hmm. and it is delicious. It is joyful. New England punch and it is based on a recipe from the seventeen hundreds. So I think it explains the brilliance of the United States Constitution.
2: Sure. Because it's from (laughs) it's from Philadelphia. We did that we wrote that around a punch bowl. Maybe that's what we need. We need to bring in punch bowls into Congress. The big ones.
0: All right. It is the season of Hanukkah and Christmas Mm -hmm. and Kwanzaa and New Year's. Whatever holiday, Three Kings, whatever Mm -hmm. holiday you celebrate, we're in there with you. I love to learn about these new holidays.
2: I wonder if anyone's going to saber a bottle. This we showed the, them how. This, and this is the time of year to do it. If they this do, is, I hope they tell you bring, us. You bring your whole party outside, right? Don't do this inside.
0: It is so much fun. And we have a video online of us doing this, getting a lesson from, who better, Jacques Pepin, He gave us a lesson in how to do this. It is so easy. It's only two minutes long, this video. And talk about a knockout start to a party. Unfortunately, you have Mm -hmm. to say to people, put your coats back on. (laughs) But I think it (laughs) will be worth it. Alex, you're one of our style mavens. One of the things that I would do for a party at the holidays is to give everybody a sparkler Mm. and bring out the bottles. You don't have to have an expensive champagne for this. You can use a relatively inexpensive, as you'll see in the video, sparkling wine. You will see there's a seam on the bottle. We tell you just how to do this and you can use a regular kitchen knife. I have even done it with a spoon, believe it or not. doesn't take any force. You slide it up the bottle and the top cleanly explodes off as you'll see Jacques doing it. It's a pretty wild video. Then you just pour it in glasses and then I would light everybody's sparkler and say whatever oh, you
3: want to say. Festive, uh, that's great. Right? If you're going to use a kitchen knife, it's better to use the dull side okay. so as not to damage the sharp valuable That's part. the cool
2: thing about this is that it breaks at that seam.
0: Keep the little kids out of the way. Anything you need to do to be safe. Okay. Let's talk style for the holidays no matter what your festivity is. Mm-hmm. When I go to my sister's house, she has spent so much time it is her engagement with creativity to put wreaths up on the doors and you walk in and you know we celebrate christmas and so you see this beautiful tree decorated at christmas time when we did thanksgiving she had a beautiful runner on the table and she had put candles Mm. and leaves and you know she does that
3: (laughs) what do you folks do we try to emulate a um like a victorian english christmas so I go to the grocery store and I buy boxes of clementines. I put them in triangles. I buy walnuts. I put them by the fireplace. I buy chestnuts. I have a chestnut roaster pan. We buy chocolates and truffles. And everywhere you look, I try to put like these little delicacies around. And when Mm. we have people over, I kind of want them to go around and be like, hey, some
2: clementine or let
3: me roast a chestnut.
0: (laughs) I'd be hanging over the truffles. Yeah, that's truffle.
2: My family's European, and my mom, and everyone still thinks we're crazy, and I have to preface this by saying that, yes, my brother is a fireman, and he still allows this. My mom actually has candles on her tree. Oh, wow. We've done this since we were born. In a real tree. In a real tree. And we don't keep it lit. You know, it's not like it's lit 24-7. She just lights it when we're there, and we stand around it, and there's something about the glow, and we unplug it because when it's not lit with candles, it has lights on it but we unplug it we turn off all the lights in the house and my mom lights the tree oh, and we just keep it beautiful. lit yeah we keep it maybe she keeps it lit for like 10 minutes and we're all in the room
0: and then how do you blow them out she if has they a go special
2: thing that you know like a almost sn- like what you would sniffer. yeah like what you would see let me just say this yeah. is
0: a European tradition yeah. and we are going to get emails and Facebook comments from people saying this is not safe you know fire departments oh, say do, do not do, not this. do this because 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 at the holidays, we all know houses burn down, apartments burn down. There are a tremendous number of fires from people doing wacky things during the holidays. So I welcome your story, and I'm saying. Unless you grow up this way, honestly, don't try this at home. Yeah, and
2: I have to be the one. I guess we have to start thinking about passing down traditions. And this is where my brothers are with me. Like, do we do this? My older brother, of course, the fireman. Like, heck, no. He doesn't. I don't even think he has candles in his house. They're all electric. <laughs> he yeah. doesn't even like it. I feel this thing that I want to bright. Are they carry like little them? heirloom
3: candle holders? They're, they're holder special. Things?
2: Yeah, the heirloom candle yeah. holders. They're special beeswax candles that burn at a very slow. Keep the tree really They don't. Well don't don't drip. And again, you don't keep the thing lit. It's only you keep it lit while you're standing there.
0: Here's a question about the holidays Do we have the time anymore or the inclination to do what Alex and Matt do, where they go around the house and create this Victorian scene? Do people have the time for this anymore? Because in the end, of course, it doesn't matter. It's the getting together with friends that is the real glue that keeps us happy and gives us a sense of community but have we lost some of these traditions when
3: people come into our house for a christmas party you could see their faces they're so happy to see everything that's decorated and this is what being alive is all about
0: okay here we go we're going to talk about leftover brisket or making a brisket from scratch in your slow cooker, as Chris likes to do, mm-hmm. and I like to do, or like in the eat. oven. Yeah, me too. I just never tire of brisket. So, we want to talk about leftover brisket and makes awesome sandwiches. So, I'm a regular at the Orient Country Store. It's a very charming lane called Village Lane on the North Fork of Long Island. And there's a cook there, Grayson Murphy, and he serves up these fabulous brisket sandwiches at lunchtime. Of course, he's the kind of guy who does not write down this (laughs) recipe. He does it from gut. He does it from instinct. So here it is. What you can do is listen to this and say, I see what he's doing and do you whatever brisket you want and make your own sandwich. And at the end, you'll see that Grayson adds some things like a barbecue sauce and bread and butter pickles mm. and a little tomatillo sauce, which you can buy in a jar in the international food section of almost any supermarket. This is exactly how he dictated this to me, over the counter. So you wanna buy a brisket at the meat market and make sure that you ask for one that's on the fattier side because that means you can cook it longer. I make this marinade by combining pureed garlic and chili powder and some ancho chilies if you can get them. Uh, Whatever chilies you can get. A little brown sugar and mustard and smoked paprika and some dry oregano. I put all that in there. It makes this paste and then I rub the paste all over the brisket get it ready to go into a pan. I wrap the beef and the pan all over tightly in plastic wrap, and I put that in the fridge for a day or overnight. Nice. Then I take it out, preheat the oven to 325. Then I get out a Dutch oven, and I put thick slices of onion across the entire bottom of that Dutch oven. I add bacon fat or olive oil or both, And then I put the meat in resting on top of those onion slices. And then I add a can or a bottle of Kraft lager beer and about two cups of water. I put the lid on the Dutch oven and I let this roast in that oven for about four hours. Nice. And when it turns to the four hour mark, I move the lid slightly ajar and I let it keep roasting for another maybe 20 minutes. I feel like he says that that concentrates the sauces in this thing. When I pull it out of the oven, I let it rest for at least a half an hour, even overnight. He said it's incredibly tender. And if you want to serve it the way I do at the market, you chop the meat, big slices, and then you chop it up. And you layer on whatever kind of bread you want. You layer on the meat some bread and butter pickles, a little touch of barbecue sauce, and a little bit of jarred tomatillo sauce, that Mexican sauce from the (laughs) supermarket can go on a soft roll or on rice or paleo style on a bed of arugula <sighs> <Ooh.
2: laughs> no wonder you're there all the time
0: <laughs> <laughs> that is grayson murphy's sandwich at the orient country store on village lane in orient long island isn't mm, that
2: something that's just yum
0: so you can do your own version just yeah. add the barbecue sauce at yeah. the end make brisket well, what kind of roll would you or bread would you put this on
2: i like it crusty crusty bread
0: you mean like a hard like surface? like a hard
2: surface because the meat's soft so I like a crunchy bread so you like
0: contrast yeah I like
2: the contrast uh Bantam bread is not too far from where I live and they do this mm-hmm. oh, good crunchy country bread with the crust that sort of when you slice it it all breaks up oh so yummy
0: oh that is good I, but, I'm your opposite I like yeah. soft to go with the soft mm-hmm. but it, this is really your taste, taste whatever works
2: I would love like white wonder bread Sure. Sure. For cooking the brisket, though, I have a quick one too from Lee White. It's not so much what she puts in it, it's how she does it. Okay, so even if you make it his way or whatever way you make it with a glaze or whatever, and she does hers with Coca Cola. Like the old, right? The old style. All right. But but the way she does it is.
0: I think we have a recipe somewhere in our archive. Mm -hmm. Go ahead.
2: So she takes a roasting pan and she takes two large pieces of tinfoil. So just rip yourself, like, I don't know, two foot pieces of tinfoil. Put them in the roasting pan as a cross, right? So one piece this way, one piece the other way. And then you take your brisket. And this, it doesn't matter if you have it marinated or if you just do it plain with a little salt, whatever. And she does hers like uh, always with Coca Cola. But you take it Mm -hmm. and you put your brisket in there and then you fold it over. And you could put onions onions in there you could put mushrooms in there and you fold it over like a packet mm-hmm. and then you roast it Did she seal it up She seals it up like an envelope crimps it up really well so it's sealed in there
3: so right, and and, and, yeah, and again,
2: not a lot of <laughs> liquid, right? So you don't have to add a, a lot of liquid bit. to this. You just want to wet it down. And oh my gosh. Really? It just slow roasts in this concentrate. packet. It's already a concentrate because you don't have a lot of liquid in there. Like when you're braising it, even though I love the slow cooker, when you're braising in that, you have a decent amount of liquid. This, you have such a small amount of liquid in it, whether it be barbecue sauce or just the juice from the onions, that it's sealed in there and all those juices wow. sort of, yeah. I'm telling you, I've had it... a. Dozen times at Lee White's house, oh. and every time I have it, I go, oh, my gosh, this is the best brisket I've ever had. Well, I'm calling right? her up. So, how oh, come yeah, I haven't had that? And, and then I take that home, like, and just like your friend does, chop it all up, and then I do like a grilled cheese sandwich with it with that wow. crusty bread. Chop
3: it or peel like sort no, of fork I, it apart? No,
2: I, I chop it because that's the best way to eat brisket because it's tough. When I say you cook it perfectly, it's hard to slice.
0: Well, it, it comes off in shreds. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's highly so yeah yeah, i I do too i like it that way too well listen for the the ultimate brisket recipe we have on the website lydia Bastianich beef in barolo sauce italian style as only she can do it two bottles of barolo roasting in there it is at our website foodschmooze.org and also we'll do a link of course on facebook faith middleton food Chris, that was terrific. And you have le- if you have leftovers, it's not likely <laughs> in my house, then the next day, brisket sandwiches. Try Lee White's style or Chris's style, yeah. whatever recipe you're going to use. Unbelievable sandwiches. note, we say, of course, especially to our Connecticut vineyards, if you want to send some wine over for us to test and talk about on the show, we would be delighted to receive it. We're so proud of the vineyards in Connecticut and Long Island, where we have many listeners. Just terrific. And each year they get better and better as Mm. they figure out The grapes and the climate, that yep. recipe that makes for great wine. A lot of winemakers, don't you feel, mm. come in with an imposition. They say, I want to grow this grape. And then they figure out that, yep. that soil in that spot and the climate, not necessarily conducive. Yep. Yep. And then they hit on it. They say, oh, Wow. We can actually grow Pinot Noir here or a Riesling or whatever yeah, it might be. Yeah, look yeah, at yeah. New York State. Gorgeous wines coming from there too.
3: It's sort of a learning uh, experience. You know, they start and after a couple of years they figure something else out and you know, it grows and evolves and turns into something. You know, I would say hundred years from now we're gonna look back and be like, Oh my
2: gosh. We're living in a time when this stuff's being first planted in 500 years, you know? This is farming, right? I hear my farmers of just vegetable farmers say to me, oh, you know, this crop didn't work out so well because I tried planting it over here and I never did that and it didn't work out. Or I moved this crop to this site and wow, look at what I got. So these farmers are finding out what grows best in whatever land that they're farming.
0: I'm with Alex Province and Chris Prosperi, senior contributors on the show. Alex and I have been to a restaurant, I've been there several times, and we had the rotisserie chicken with the juice dripping into the potatoes. Oh, my gosh. This is rotisserie georgette on the Upper East Side. I'm here to say that was a good spot for us in terms of nailing amazing (laughs) food. It's relaxed but a little elegant Mm. and These rotisseries with these chickens and ducks and things dripping and going around. (laughs) Juices on potatoes. We love the local. Please support your local food growers and food makers for on-demand podcast delivery of the Food Schmooze Party every week. And to find terrific food, wine, cocktails, restaurant recommendations, hot topics, our short, fun streaming videos, and the recipes we feature, we are always online talking with you at foodschmooze.org. We'll be right back.
1: Each night they share a sweet light to remind us of days long ago. One for each night they share a sweet light to remind us of days
3: long ago. <laughs> i
0: Listen to Suzanne Vega this is the Food Schmooze Party, offering the richness of life and coming to you in Connecticut, Rhode Island, Massachusetts, and New York, including Westchester County, the east end of Long Island, and of course, the Hamptons. To hear the show on WNPR, we air Thursdays at three and Saturdays at noon. Podcasts and our new curated recommendations are always online at fuchmoose.org Sign up for our free podcast. It's right there on the homepage, just subscribe. And of course you can talk with us on Facebook too, search Faith Middleton. I am with Alex Province and Chris Prosperi here on the Food Schmooze. We mentioned brunch and leftovers Mm -hmm. and how you can use some leftover meat, leftover vegetables. Chris even has a way to use leftover mashed potatoes.
2: (laughs) They're a great leftover, you can make soups out of them. There's so much stuff you can do with leftover mashed potatoes. Soup? Oh sure. Okay, a real quick lesson on mashed potato soup. I do this all the time. Like
3: potato soup? Yeah,
2: and it already has cream and butter in it, and it's already seasoned. So really, all you have to do if you wanted to make a potato leek <laughs> soup is take a leek, clean it, chop it up, in saute water. it, just a little bit of oil, if any, just a little water to steam it. And then all you would do is add some broth. It can be chicken broth or vegetable broth or whatever. The box stuff is fine. And let that simmer in there. And then add your mashed potatoes and take a little immersion blender and puree it up a little bit. It goes real quick, and you have instant potato leek soup. That's wow. why I always make extra. But for the mashed mm-hmm. potato pancakes, yeah. what I do is take my mashed potatoes, cold, right? They're leftover cold from the refrigerator. And all I do is take a couple egg yolks, whip them up, throw them in there, and then you can use flour or rice flour or cornstarch or matzo meal, whatever, just to tighten it up a little bit. And this is just by eye. You want to be able to... Once As you a have,
0: binder? Yeah.
2: So let's say you have a couple cups of mashed potatoes, two egg yolks, just whip it in there. There's the and binder. Then, Yeah. And then the flour or the matzo meal, whatever you use, just to dry it up a little bit to make these little cakes.
0: And here's where you could add in a seasoning. So for me, I love, for instance, curry. Sure. I love Asian sauces. Yeah. I would put a little bit of that in there to flavor sure. these. Scallions.
2: My mom uses flat leaf parsley. Okay. Parsley, and then how sure. do you cook them, Chris? And then just take a hot, and I always like to use nonstick for this, put a little bit of oil in the bottom, and then you just sear them on both sides and they're done. You just have to cook them till the egg cooks. So it's very simple.
0: And it, will they turn golden? Yeah, they turn
2: nice and golden brown because think of all the butter and cream that's in there. They turn this beautiful golden brown. And then you can fry an egg in that same pan and then put your potato cake down and top it with your fried egg and a little bacon and everything can be cooked if you have a big one like i do you can cook it all in that one pan
0: what i like about what you're talking about is that if you're having people over for brunch maybe you didn't have leftover mashed potatoes but this is a do-ahead brunch idea you could make the mashed potatoes that chris just brilliantly described the day before so that you're not crazy on brunch day or the night before, they're in the refrigerator, and then do what Chris suggests. So when does the egg go on?
2: Oh, so I would put a piece, a couple of pieces of bacon in the same time I put the potato cake in, if I was making a whole breakfast, get the bacon going, get the potato going. And when I flip the bacon and the potato, which would be around the same time. So this would I'd, be
0: for about two people. Yeah, then I right crack
2: two eggs in there. Then it, when the egg is cooked, the bacon would be fully cooked. And then the little cake That's you get, two
0: people. What if you're having four or six? Then you have to
2: do it in different batches. So you okay. would do your bacon first because that can sit the longest right on the side. Then you would do your potato cakes, get them nice and hot. And then maybe leave your oven on at like 200 with the door open and you can put them on a little cookie sheet to keep them warm. And then you fry your eggs eggs and then you assemble it different type style of cooking whether you're cooking for two or six or eight, absolutely right? beautiful can you still do the champagne well what stop brunch job. without champagne yeah, that's your Alex, job what would you yeah. would
0: you serve champagne or sparkling wine with eggs
3: yeah. yeah we actually even on sunday sometimes do um a beer yeah, yeah
0: bloody mary would be yeah, great sure. with this oh those are good too so what wine would you serve with this if you're an alcohol drinker Think about this: eggs, bacon, possibly a potato pancake. pancake.
3: Since it's brunch, I'm thinking a riesling. It's gentle, it's easy. Maybe a tad residual sugar. That's it's pleasant. A kind of lower alcohol content. Mm. That's yeah, that's I like nice. That idea. Yeah.
0: And riesling is beautiful. It's not a sweet riesling, by not the dry, way. Right? This is dry. We had a Hugal from mm. Alsace. Oh
3: my gosh, oh. so good! Good, <laughs> yeah. very dry. Yeah. That we
0: recommended with Thanksgiving turkey. That would be beautiful at a brunch like this want to just keep going with with some of these brunch ideas because this is a time when we're having lots of guests. Mm -hmm. Let's do one more. Alex, you do eggs and tomato.
3: So in our refrigerator, we always have like half-eaten bottles of pizza sauce and tomato sauce or whatever. So you can take all of those, put them in a saute pan, heat them up, maybe add a little olive oil. And then if you make little pockets, like you scoop out like a little hole. In the tomato sauce? In the tomato sauce, in the saute pan, you you crack a whole egg and you just drop it into these like little circles that you've made in the tomato sauce with a spoon, and then you put a lid on it, the steam will cook the egg, and you plate it sort of a scoop of the tomato sauce with the cooked egg Mm -hmm. on a plate, and you cook it so that the yolk is still soft and the yolk runs into the red sauce.
0: So that's in Spain, your mother did this. This is also a Middle Eastern tradition and we probably find out this is spread through many, many cultures. What a wonderful combination.
2: on the egg thing, there's so many things you can do when you have big crowds. And one that I found recently is that you take white bread, cut the crust off it, and I take muffin tins, take a heavy rolling pin, and I just roll the bread out. So it makes a nice little flat square. Pepperidge Farm. Yeah, Petridge Farm, whatever brand. Yeah. I don't care. And then you take your muffin dish, and I just take a little cold butter and butter it each little round. And then I press my bread it's like a little cup, you know, it has the points yeah. of the corners sticking out and I press it in there good and then I just put it in a preheated oven at 350 for about 10 minutes, maybe not even, not even 10 Keep minutes. Keep an eye on it, right? It's, yeah, and it's gonna go back in the oven so I don't want to totally toast what it. What was I just the want temperature? 350 and I just want it toasted lightly and then I pull it out and then in that, whatever I have, like some sauteed like onions, some uh, sausage. bacon, sausage, sure, whatever, vegetables. vegetables, whatever you have, and I put it in each cup, and then I crack an egg on top yep. of each one. Yep. You could even do tomato sauce, right? Yum. And then little olive oil, salt and pepper on top, put them in the oven, and bake it to the doneness. If you like the egg, if you like your eggs totally cooked. It's like go, a mini quiche. Yeah, it's like a little mini quiche, or if you like your eggs soft, like I do, you know, just a few minutes. So you pre-cook
0: the bread just a little bit just because little you're bit. gonna to cook it again. Yeah so, yeah, so do it doesn't want... get
2: soggy from whatever you put on top of it. Ah. So you just get it started just so you can start seeing it brown just the teeniest bit. Then pull it out put your filling in there, crack an egg I love the tomato sauce idea. Yeah. A spoonful of tomato on top of each egg pop it back in the oven with a little salt and pepper and olive oil and then mm. like I said cook it to whatever. If you like your eggs on the softer side pull it out in 5 minutes. If you like your eggs totally cooked pull it out in like 10-15 minutes. Right? Love
0: that. Right? So this is not something though for people who all have very it's Food opinions, and, no opinions oh. <laughs> about how they want their eggs done, because these are all gonna cook go at the same
2: time. <laughs> I guess, yeah. That's
3: <laughs> when you have people over your house, it allows you to cook stuff you otherwise wouldn't cook, like pancakes. Like you know, for just Matt and I, it's difficult to make a batch of pancakes, but you have people over, you can make French toast. French toast. Wa- and... Bring out the waffle iron.
2: Oh yeah.
0: I was watching Jacques Pepin on CPTV, and there was a scene where he had gone to the woman who lives down the road from him and sells eggs. The eggs are very beautiful and they're so fresh. And he said, when you're cracking an egg, don't do that thing with a knife or crack it on the edge of a dish because if there is any kind of bacteria on the outside of the shell, that will introduce it to the inside lightly tap it on the counter surface and then
3: split it apart with your thumbs easy and then that's just a, sort of a great
0: it. health safety tip yeah
3: i used to raise chickens my brother <laughs> and I, you know the eggs that they lay from a free-range chicken that's not eating chicken food that's actually eating ants and yeah. you know worms is something you can't get in the grocery yeah. store it's absolutely incredible I, I the 12, color yeah. is unbelievable it's orange yeah. let me ask you yeah. something
0: chris you went to cooking school mm-hmm do they teach you about this kind of thing in cooking school about how to raise chickens which would then mean if you were going to eat those chickens or the eggs that they lay. And do you think they should? Oh my
2: gosh, should they? And and you know what? There's schools, high schools here in New Haven, it's called Common
0: Common Ground. Ground.
2: And they're teaching the kids that the chicken lays the egg and then the egg comes in the kitchen. And this is what we do to clean the egg before we, and then we cook the egg and they're seeing what a real egg tastes like. Now in cooking schools, even the big ones, they've become so homogenous and so machine-like. It's a business, product in, product out and they skip that. Well, Lydia was
3: talking about that. Remember how she grew up on the farm and and grabbed real milk and real eggs? And if you put a real egg... You know that you raise yourself versus a grocery store egg, and you taste them both. Mm. They look different. They taste differently from each other. They're not the same.
0: Alex, you went online to learn how to do this. They came Did in you? the
3: mail. Yeah, that's you, the funniest you go, thing. You go right? online, they literally you, come you in the mail. Buy the chickens. The post office calls you. They <laughs> give a, you this box that's peeping. Yeah, it's a tray like. It's a tray with peeping birds. You bring them home. They're one day old. Yeah. Put them in a box with a light. You feed them and you take care of them. And about a year later, you know, they lay tiny eggs called peewees. And then, you know, a year in, they they get bigger and bigger. And they're just unbelievable. We had aricana, so they're that gorgeous sort of green. We had. uh, They're so beautiful. Oh my gosh.
0: There's a great Swiss restaurant in New York called Trestle on 10th. And they have the most gorgeous, giant photographs of chickens that were photographed in a studio and are beautifully lit and so magnificent. We're on WNPR Thursdays at 3, Saturdays at noon. Weekdays, here my 60-second food schmoozes. Join the conversation with us. We're always up for a good time online at foodschmooze.org. Of course, on Facebook at Faith Middleton. Until our next party, eat, drink, and be merry. In New Haven, I'm Faith Middleton. Hey, thanks for listening to the podcast on your schedule. And when you need a little more party in your life, we're here online at foodschmooze.org. And we hope you'll talk with us on Facebook. We're at Faith Middleton Food